0: You are listening to episode 274 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan.
1: Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we O-E-A, O-E-O, in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge.
0: didn't even read the preview so i wasn't expecting that (laughs) so i was like what's he doing uh so this week we're playing tailspin on the nes we were originally going to play some chippendale on the nes but i don't have it and then my chippendale jokes went out the window and your intro i was so ready for that
1: john and ryan (laughs) deflators.
0: Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll dive into that in the inflation deflation uh, segment this week. Uh, but first, you can find the Game Inflators podcast on the You can find us on YouTube. Search up Game Inflators, Watch some uh, unboxings, uh, the like two that we have, as well as some little clips here and there. I, I keep forgetting, by the way, I got to start like recording clips for shorts mm-hmm. on YouTube. I, I just always forget when I play over here. Uh, you can also find us on social media at game deflators on X at the game deflators on Instagram, Facebook, and threads. I got to post on threads. I keep forgetting there too. Too much social media, Ryan. Too much. That's why I stay away from it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you should probably be on one of them, so I'm not doing all of them. Uh, and the other thing you could do is find us on the podcast application or listen to right now, like subscribe, comment, uh, leave us a five-star review, do whatever you need to do to support us. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So, hey, this week, we're going to be taking a look at some stuff. We got articles on uh, the Xbox head sitting down to chat about multi-platform and the future of Xbox. Uh, There's still some rumors swirling around. Not everything was settled there. Maybe we're looking at a portable future for the Xbox as well. And then lastly, just as I'm getting started, Pal World devs tell everyone it's okay to take a break.
0: It's not okay. You got to keep playing Pal World. Capture all of them. (laughs) <laughs> got to catch them all. Is that <laughs> the tag? What? No, I don't think it's the tagline. It's a, uh, you got to catch most of them. That's the tagline they use. You
1: Get know? the majority of them. Yes. Please? Catch pals.
0: That's, that's your tagline. Catch pals. All right. So for my weekly pickup, I got bug snacks on the oh. Nintendo switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say I was <laughs> literally sitting in the bathroom as most people do on their phone And I was like, you know, I don't have a week. I don't have a pickup this week. And for whatever reason, I saw that Best Buy article. I was like, I wonder if Best Buy is actually selling games technically on, you know, uh, on their website still. You know, Mm -hmm. have they just wiped it completely? What's going on here? They're not selling in stores. And we'll get into that later as well. And uh, I was like, well, Bug Snacks. I've been wanting that on PS5. Well, PS5 apparently is like 50, 60 bucks for a new copy still. I I guess it's hard to find. I don't know. So I figured, why not just go for the next level down, which is not PS4, and that is a copy on the Nintendo Switch. So I picked it up. Um, I will be getting that on the 22nd, so it's a pickup technically, and then I will I will have it soon. So I'm excited. I've been wanting to play Bug Snacks for a long time, and I was hoping the price would go down here and there. And like GameStop doesn't even have copies on their website anymore. They have PS4 copies that so you can't find anywhere, and eBay's got them like 60 bucks a pop. There's a website that sells a new copy for 40. But I was like, I'll just pay $30 on Best Buy. have it delivered to my house and call it a day. So
1: there you go. Yeah. yeah. But next is a weird one. That was like a launch title, I think, for. Yeah, it's 2020 Xbox.
0: Yeah, 2020. No, it was just on PS5. And I guess it got ported to Nintendo Switch at some point. So I'm sure the performance is absolute garbage on the Switch compared to the PS5. But whatever, like if I don't have anything to compare it to, it's cool.
1: Yeah, it's a weird
0: one. It's supposed to be pretty like fun, though. Yeah, I'm excited to to jump in on it and see how it goes. So uh, and then as far as what I'm currently playing, uh, I continued to play some Tales of Symphonia. I, I don't remember if I'd mentioned that I beat the uh, like that wind
1: yeah. shrine or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of where you were at last. Yeah,
0: time. yeah. So I beat that. And then I went ahead and took care of the uh, the ninja girl as well. And her enemy um, or like her companion thing that's with her uh, that, you know, god i forgot like i'd leveled up obviously that was a key thing for me was leveling up mm-hmm. the other component is what we talked about pressing down r3 allowing me to do like the giant move that would take a lot of yeah, damage off
1: unity attack
0: yeah i did a unity attack that ended up working and then um i had plenty of items on me of course and then i also made sure to heal all of my characters so the first mm-hmm. time i died against her it's because i just gotten out of battle and i wasn't expecting to come face no to perfect. face with
1: another boss battle it's like so, when your rival runs into you and you're on a Nuzlocke run. It's just like the end. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my God, this sucks.
0: Um. So yeah, kind of the same deal. Uh. So yeah, that's where I got with that. And then I made my way back to the Tower of Mana or whatever it is. I get there and it's like, it's locked. I'm like, it was locked last time. I thought I had to just go right there. Well, it turns out you got to go back to Asgard, talk to some random person, then go back to this other city and then go to the Tower of Mana mm-hmm. where you can unlock it. So That's kind of where I'm at. I was falling. What's that? More going. Yeah, I was falling asleep while like getting to Asgard. So I was like and safe. Mm. (laughs) We're going to continue from there. So I might play it tonight unless you and I play power. We'll we'll see. see. Um, So and then obviously I'm still playing power. I ended up destroying one of my little bases, which was like straight up ingots is what I was trying to make there. We were mining ore, getting a ton of it. And then you have how much what? Bases? Bases I have, I have, have two. two. I only have enough for two, can right only now. have
1: like four.
0: Yeah, so I've got two right now. I've got my main base that we created a long time ago, but it's not exactly in an area of any sort of resources. So that's the next one to get blown up. And then I have another one that we created on top of this like giant mountain plateau mm-hmm. that has like coal and ore and trees everywhere, which is good for that. Uh, I can create stone with like a stone pit that they can mine from. and then i'm making like this giant base that kind of wraps around it all uh but i'm trying to figure out that component and i'm in the middle of building it and so it's like having to transport a crap ton of stone because there's no stone in that base right now so Mm -hmm. the whole concept is like build stone walls and make it huge but i don't have enough stone to really do that so i'm like back and forth going from one base to the other to grab stone um but yeah, so that's that's working out pretty well. Capturing lots of, uh, I ended up figuring out like the best way to level up in that game is to just catch as many like pals as you can. So once you hit like ten pals, you get like X amount of experience as you do it. <clears throat> but then once you hit ten, you get extra experience. But there's a, a mount that you can get. It's like a, a wolf mount, and mm-hmm. you're able to throw your. You can do attacks. And you can throw your pal spheres uh, while you're on the mount. And then you you actually like give it a low level attack as well. And then you chase around like level two and level three enemies while you're on this mount and you deal X amount of damage. And you just 100% throw every time. And you just watch as your experience like shoots through the roof. So I went from it was like level 22 to level 30 in the span of like an hour nice. uh, doing that. Yeah, so I was playing that. And then my wife and I are still playing tiny Tina's Wonderlands. We are on chapter nine on that one. Uh, still learning a lot as we play through the game. So, some guns have elements that I never really considered in the past. And some enemies fare worse against element attacks than others. So, we ended up finding like.
1: It's like the whole thing of Borderlands.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I never played Borderlands. So, we're learning as we go. Um, so, yeah, we had this one boss. We kind of beat him. I was like, what the hell? Like, this is just super difficult. Uh, turned out if you use lightning against him, he can die pretty quick. So, I got a lightning magic thing and equipped it and then I had a gun that did fire damage and pretty much demolished him. Mm-hmm. But now we're in this thing where like every time we beat a big area, we end up in another area of it's like two, three levels higher than what we are. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in this like rut of like, okay, now we got to go do some side quests and then we got to go do this main quest as well, which kind of sucks. Like when it comes to side quests, you almost wish like side quests are like truly side quests. You're doing them for fun. Right. I'm doing them for grinding because we're too low of a level to progress through the main quest, despite the fact that we've killed every enemy. We've done everything we need to do within the main quests. And we've done some side quests here and there. But I I don't feel like there should be this expectation when you're playing a game that you have to do the side quests as well to kind of compensate for the fact that the main quest isn't progressing you at a fast enough rate to go through the game at an appropriate level of speed. Mm. So like we're at You know, we're on the ninth out of 11 chapters. Chapter 11 is the epilogue. Um, So I think we'll have a beat here in the next week or so. That's kind of what I'm estimating. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just see what she wants to play from there.
1: Yeah. Borderlands has always been like a game where you do a ton of the side quests in them.
0: Yeah. And then the last thing is uh, I'm still playing around my magic cards. Um, I've gotten. So I guess this could count as pickups, too. Actually, I've been picking up binders like one and a half inch binders. And then like you said, the the black sleeves we talked about last week mm-hmm. and just currently organizing all of my rares. So I'm going through binders of rares, boxes of rares, pulling out copies of four, putting everything that's in excess to the side and then, you know, plugging them away into binders, not in like true alphabetical order, just kind of like, Oh, this is a section for A's and B's and C's and just kind of go on. Uh, I figured out to make things a little easier for me. And then Uh, From there, I got to continue going through the giant boxes of, you know, 5,000 count boxes and removing excess from there. And then the last thing on magic is I played this Friday at my house, actually. A couple of guys that go to a shop uh, down by me. Uh, We ended up, you know, we were in a text text group, basically similar, what we have for our group for magic and drafting. And uh, one of the guys like, Hey, I'm not going to make it this week. Another guy, he said he's working every Friday this month. So told the other two guys i'm like hey come on over we'll play some commander we'll do some you know just some general casual games and go from there mm-hmm. had a lot of fun with that commander game except for the fact it was
1: two damn hours see that's three the thing people. that scares me about commander is it's just like it seems like such a fun format but it's just like i know that it can just take forever and i'm kind of like i dig magic but magic and me aren't like magic and me back in the day where i could just sit down and play magic for hours magic is now like bowling like i get in like two good games and then it's questionable after that like not really there all night and like usually when we draft or you go to a draft or something i mean you take an hour to draft and build your deck and then you're playing and that's like you know what 350 minute rounds or something yep and so it's like it's like 11 you know and you're starting at like four so it's like or not four (laughs) like seven so it's like four hours that you're there doing it and it's like that's enough magic but if all of that was just like one game or like you know one and a half games of commander that's brutal
0: yeah. And so like when I've talked to a few guys about like, hey, come on over. I've got casual decks and commander decks. I don't mind playing commander if that's uh-huh. like the set. And we're just going to be like, that's what we're playing. And we know it's going to take three, four yeah. hours to play at one match. But I want to get more out of it. Right. So like I like the idea of a bunch of random casual decks, 60 cards, tribal decks. Like I've been trying to make tribal decks so that way. Like when we can get together and say, you're playing Kifkin, you're playing goblins, you're playing this and we can yeah. all just have like decks to play. And have like one off matches and they're like, oh, hey, Ryan, I want to try out that deck that you were just playing. You want to swap with yeah. me and like, you know, that type of deal. But yeah. commander, I had fun. I won my match, but it was literally two hours of one match. And so yeah. one guy was playing a black Warhammer deck, uh, which is pretty cool to see that in action. I was playing a commander 19 deck that focuses on pulling instants and sorceries out of your graveyard to create tokens and then destroy the board and control and then another guy was playing um, an orcs, a type deck from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all played um, pre-cons. We didn't play any upgrades or anything like that. So as the decks were built and meant to be. And it was fun, dude. Like um, the guy that had the Lord of the Rings deck, he played a card that took all of my tokens and a couple of like anything mana costs three or less. He took him on his side of the field. What he didn't realize is I had a card in my hand that would deal two damage to everything on the field, wiping out those tokens. Mm-hmm. And then I had the ability to take his token stealing thing in his deck and I removed it from the game. And then my commander allowed me to uh, basically copy a spell from the graveyard. So I had a spell in my graveyard that said, uh, if it's cast from a graveyard, I create 10 one one white knight tokens. Mm-hmm. And I was able to copy it. So I had 20 tokens on the field. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was kind of disgusting. And then at that point, it was just a matter of like killing things on his side of the field and then taking stuff, copying things and just making a shit ton of tokens so that I could just have chunk blockers yeah. and just swing in with flying as well because I had flyers. So it was it was interesting. And then, of course, the Warhammer deck, it just never got popping. Like, it's a good deck and we could see where it would be nasty. But every time something nasty hit the board, we we're like, board wipe yeah. every single time. I know? was
1: running into that. I was playing drew like a few months ago i think it was now he came over and we were just playing some commander and i was using my warhammer deck and i just yeah i couldn't get anything to really happen yeah and i think he killed my commander like six times yeah my commander didn't die because
0: he couldn't be dealt damage actually so that was that was kind of nice um and then nice and then I had another legendary creature that allowed me to dictate who attacked who on the mm-hmm. board. So it's like, you're not going to attack me. So and you know, you don't want to attack his dad and knock his dad. So out of a game quickly. So basically I was able to survive because I changed the rotation on who yeah. can attack who essentially. Uh, so his dad was swinging at me, but he couldn't do anything because I had blockers. And mm. then he couldn't hit me with his 2323 23 orc. And he didn't want to swing yeah. at his dad because his dad had death touches on the field. <laughs> so like we were going to yeah. stand until I just kind of like took over. Um, and then we played uh, some standard uh, multiplayer, just like a one off. I played with my caves deck. One of them played a black red, the other played uh, like a white black deck. Um, and so my caves, of course, absolutely demolished. It was so sad uh, to see the look on their face when I'm like, Yeah, I'm going to wipe the board mm-hmm. and then I'm going to bring back my board wipe. And then next turn, I'll wipe the board again. Yeah. just kept going with it. They were like, Well, this sucks. This is over. <laughs> yeah. So we had some fun though.
1: It was good. Nice. All right. Passing to you. Uh, so speaking of pass, I upgraded my game pass this week. It nice. took uh, a little bit of thinking, but I canceled some other stuff and moved some things around. I don't know. I just I was cheaping out on the game pass for a long time because I just I don't really play online games like multiplayer stuff. Like it being we were talking. I played Apex Legends all the time. I just had my three year anniversary at work. And I literally stopped playing Apex Legends like when I started training for that job. So it's like been that long since I've really played online multiplayer except for like I guess that splash of Halo that I played for like a week when it came out. Yeah. But it's just not been something I felt I needed. And there's been a lot of games that I haven't been able to play on Game Pass like I wanted to at least check out and talk about Exo Primal a little bit when that was coming out because it just looked so bizarre, Uh, but couldn't because I didn't have the right Game Pass subscription for it. So, uh, you know, missed out on Pal World a couple weeks ago. But now that I've got this, when I get Pal World, I'm going to join John and Justin and see (laughs) what their world is all about and uh, do some of that. So that'll be fun. I also ran it on my iPad. It works great. I can do the cloud streaming on my Samsung TV downstairs. So now I don't have to like move my Xbox all over the house if I want to play different stuff either in other rooms. Nice. So that's pretty convenient too. Um, I am excited about checking out more things on Game Pass. And I've had a lot of fun this year, you know, really trying a bunch of different stuff. But I have been trying to stick with Persona 3 um just to see how far I can go in it I haven't made it very far at all I mean the last couple weeks I've sat down to kind of try to play but then I pull up my phone and I start looking up like tips and guides and I don't want to just sit down and follow a guide I talked about this a bit last week I'm pretty sure but this week I sat down and this is just like the stress that this game gives me and I know I don't have to play it this way but you know, sometimes you're going to just try to optimize because that's how you do. So I started up a day and I was like, okay, what am I going to do today? Oh, I can go uh, hang out with this girl. So I go to talk to her and it's like, oh, I don't have my, like a card that I can get a bonus from her. Like I don't have a persona that's aligned with her. So then I spent like the next, oh, Actually, so I had done a whole bunch of stuff before I got to her. Like I finished the night before I went shopping. I did a whole bunch of things. And then when I got to her, I didn't have the card. So I restarted back to where I was. And this time I didn't buy any of the stuff. And I instead spent like 20 minutes looking at this chart. Trying to figure out, okay, if I fused these two personas that I do have access to, I could make this type of persona. And then I could use that and I could fuse it with this type of persona. And then I could make a persona that would work with her. So it's like I had to do all this like work and looking at charts and redoing a day like three times. So it took me, you know, almost an hour to progress five minutes in the game. Jeez. (laughs) Because I just got so, like, I want to try to do this optimally, even though I don't have to. So, like, I just keep getting this pressure with the game. I am like, keep trying to push through and maybe not have all that. But early game, if you want to try to maximize your stats and stuff as much as you can and get the most out of everything, like, you really have a lot of kind of extra outside things that you need to look at in order to kind of get there. So I'm trying to be, I don't know. I'm just trying to get the most out of this game while I'm actually going to play it, because odds are I'm never going to finish it. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know,
0: it wouldn't be Ryan on the game deflators if you were oh, finishing games. I yeah, it's just no. not how it works here. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's why Game Pass is so good for you, man. Exactly. It's just like I'll play a game for a few hours. I'll get what I want out of it and move on to the next and you're just all about that that's one of the better things about this podcast too
1: is that you just get to try out a massive amount of games for like well there's also those times in the past where it's like what'd you do this week right well i certainly didn't buy or play any games if that's what you're asking john well i mean technically with game pass you could pick up a new game every week yeah i could you know i just mean it's for, for the sake of talking about downloading a button I mean, it works. That's that's part of it. That's your recent pickup. Mm-hmm. So
0: it makes makes complete sense to do that. Complete total sense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into uh, something here in, in which people aren't going to be picking up anything anymore. And that's uh, from Best Buy. So our little discussion topic here. Best Buy, from what I've seen online and various photos is finally starting to move out of physical media on their store shelf. So no more video games and Best Buy, no more DVDs, Blu-rays. I think DVDs was phased out a long time ago, but still no more DVDs. Uh, I don't even think they've sold CDs for years, but you can't get those either. Uh, so
1: yeah, you want to go into Best Buy and browse? You're screwed. I like, remember like when you went to Best Buy in the past, like the whole middle area was just rows of dvds and cds and video games and all that stuff and now it's like google homes and apple watches and smartphones and yeah you know audio stuff and the camera thing is not just like a big giant camera boat anymore it's like an aisle and a half or something like they've really changed the way that it lays out and i just like best buy was always my favorite store when i was a kid like one of my most memorable like gaming pickups ever was paper Mario. I was so stoked for paper Mario. I went with my mom to go pick it up. We went to the best buy, you know, I had the box. She went like shoe sopping or something crazy to do to a child after they just pick up a game. So then like (laughs) I had to stare a hole through the box and just like read the manual, you know, until we got home and I could plug it in and play. But it was like (laughs) going to Best Buy and getting that thing. Like, I always wanted a Best Buy gift card for Christmas or my birthday because I could go get a game. And, like, then it kind of fell out for a while. Like, I just felt like, you know, I'll just go to GameStop. Like, why would I go to Best Buy? There's, like, almost never anything there I want. And now it's just like, I'll maybe go to Best Buy, like, if I really need something.
0: (laughs) I have no intentions of walking in a Best Buy again, unless it's to buy like a TV or a monitor, like that's the only reason I'd go nowadays. And even that I could just get online through your website. Like I don't have to actually go shop physically for it. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I'm right there with you, dude, especially like I could totally resonate with the mom thing. Uh, I remember when I would buy like a CD at Best Buy or I would go buy a video game and we're in the car. My mom's like, all right, we got to go to the grocery store. I'm like, no why are we doing that and yeah. of course it was like an hour and a half trip and then it was the when you get home all right i need your help unloading the groceries god damn
1: it <laughs> you know what you're doing to me mom god
0: <laughs> i don't know if it was on purpose or it was just a like didn't care you know or just didn't consider it uh but yeah that always sucked when you get that brand new game or cd and you really want to dive into it and you can't yeah, so dude,
1: your kid is gonna be so lucky like i couldn't imagine being a kid and just like literally having thousands of games that I've never played, just lying around the house. <laughs> it's so pathetic. Like the anticipation of having to go get a new game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like non-existent. And, and sure ha- he won't be able to go get one in stores anyways. They'll, he'll have to download anything he wants to play.
0: You know, those memes of it's like, you know, I want McDonald's. No, we have McDonald's at home. Yeah. Well, like <laughs> I want a video game. We have video games at home. We have Mario okay, at yeah, home. Right. Yeah. You're 20, right. We- We do. You're right. We do have Mario at home. There's no complaints that will be happening from that. But I mean, you know, honestly, when he's old enough to do that, there's not going to be any, let me go buy a game from. And I want Fortnite five. (laughs) Why would they even make a Fortnite five? Because the last is good. Hopefully when he's old enough, Fortnite is gone from existence. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, Same with those other games. But uh, that's sad. I mean, he's going to if he goes like if he enjoys video games growing up, which I'm sure he will just because I play them all the time. I I have to say this too before we dive into the uh, discussion. He's gotten into hockey actually with us because we watch hockey every other night when the game is on. And so he's gotten accustomed to whenever a goal is scored. We're like, yeah, you know, because a goal is scored. And so he'll sit there and he's eating his dinner. And the second a goal goes in, and the announcer's like, "He scores!" He just raises his arms up and goes, "Yeah!" Nice. So it's hilarious. Like, so he's picking things up, and um, you know, uh, obviously, I hope he enjoys hockey, growing up, and other sports, and then of course, video games and building Lego and that type of stuff. So uh, he's set. Like, if he enjoys those things as he starts to grow up, then he's like golden. If he doesn't, well, then I'm sorry, you're just going to stare at a
1: you know, wall of games. I'm sorry, life. father. It's knitting for me or nothing.
0: <laughs> I want to go do dance. Well, shit. <laughs> um, so but, yeah, no yeah. more
1: physical media at Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you know, okay, so I'll get my Best Buy story here. Uh. You know, for me, it was always picking up like obscure anime. Yeah. So like I picked up the neon Genesis Evangelion box set mm-hmm. Uh, at a Best Buy for like $100 a long time ago. Uh, I would pick up like random ADV uh, DVDs, things that you can't like after the murder or after ADV like disappeared. And a lot of those things, I think they went to Funimation if I recall. Um, There's a lot of anime that you can't find like anywhere digitally. Like they just don't have it. So like I've got one called uh, Devil Lady, for example. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good anime. And I think the DVDs run like 150, 200 bucks. Yeah. I checked. I mean, unless it's gone down and there's pirated versions now, but There's a lot of those things that you just you cannot come across nowadays. And I don't have a
1: a lot of anime DVDs. A lot of the ones I do have, though, I got from Atomic Comics back in the day. Hmm. And I guess they're all like some kind of bootleg from Japan because like and they all have varying different levels of quality. Like some of my early Naruto box sets are actually like pretty nice looking but yeah, none of them have SKUs. Like we tried to sell them to Bookman's and they were like, we can't take these. Yeah. Like FYE (laughs) still technically has, uh, anime and stuff like the FYE Mm -hmm. out
0: in Arizona mills. I don't know if there's another one in the state or in our area. Yeah,
1: They opened one at, um, wait, wait, they opened opened one. Yeah.
0: They opened an FYE. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Okay. (laughs) Well, at least there's one closer now. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a store and they're always overpriced though for
1: a lot of their stuff. Bookman's Uh, used places or, really well, the best place to like find something interesting and then not
0: want to buy it because they have it
1: at some ridiculous price point yeah i yeah. guess it depends on what it is like i got my Fully Cooley box set there a few years ago i mean that's only like one dvd of five episodes so there's only so much you could charge for it but like that's my favorite anime ever so I definitely had to get that when I found it. But, you know, if you're listening, you can kind of
0: understand where Ryan and I are coming from like this. While we're not talking a ton about like, oh, best buys are moving. And what does this mean for their company? It's it's more so the aspect of like, we're going to miss that experience. Being able to go in, explore, find things, come home with it. You know, like we just we're not going to get that anymore. Right. What are they going to fill that spot with? Probably more Apple Watches or TVs or like they sell washing machines there, for God's sake. So like. You know, they're going to find something to fill that empty space, but it just it's going to leave us with an empty space now, not being able to shop there. And that was the only reason I ever went to Best Buy. If there was one nearby, I was like, I want to browse their games. I want to browse like their computer parts that they have
1: now. That's gone. I'm not going to be doing that. I wonder how much of this does relate to kind of that experience. Like if we didn't have those motivations and those stories like as a kid, like would you know, would we still go to GameStop to buy our games when they're coming out? Or would we be more inclined just to pre-order and, you know, wait for day one Amazon shipping? You know, like, I'm sure that there's probably a lot of kids who do go to the store and buy video games and stuff. But I'm sure there's probably a lot more that don't. Well, it's a convenience aspect nowadays. I mean,
0: when you have the ability to just buy these things and not leave your house, you know, are you really going to like for me, especially like where I'm at, the closest game stop for me is 30 minutes away. Like I'm not going to drive 30 minutes to go get a game, you know, plus I've you got do. the kid. I've got huh. you do. Okay, it depends on the game. You tell us stories depends.
1: all the time about you okay. going to
0: GameStop. To pick that's, that's different. That's like situations where I could only pick it up in store and it's like a hundred something dollar video game and I'm getting it for $20. Like that's a different aspect of it. Like to pick up a day one purchase that I can get like. When well, you hard target
1: anymore. Yeah, I really do. I,
0: yeah, I mean, well, we have so many other responsibilities nowadays that we just don't like. I'm trying to make a point to buy a, a video game every now and then. Uh, because I haven't, and yeah, that's just kind of where things have been all magic cards makes John a dull boy <laughs> right now. It's been all magic cards. A lot of it's just, I'm trying to organize it. And my next thing is I'm going to be selling, uh, a lot of a game. Like I have games still sitting on my floor. Like I've got yeah. a Conquer's bad Friday and a Chrono trigger and it, you know, King of dragons and other copies. Like I've got like a couple grand of games sitting on my floor, but I just haven't listed mm-hmm. and I, I need to just sell them. So I can buy magic cards yeah. um, <laughs> or I can buy other games,
1: more,
0: um, more reserve list cards, more reserve list cards. Yeah. The reserve list is definitely something to consider buying more of uh, as I sell some of those games, the extras. And I mean, my wife's going to be listening to this episode at some point in time. And so she should know that it takes up less space for one card versus one video game. True and if I sell five video games to buy one card, then that's
1: even less space. Okay, that's like a thousand more cards. Easy. <laughs> no. Yeah, reserve list cards are pricey.
0: All right, let's uh let's dive into our non-Best Buy topic. Uh so the first thing here is uh Microsoft. Four Xbox exclusive games are coming to PS5 and Nintendo Switch. This is Tom Warren at verge Uh so I'll let you kick it off because you've got the names of the games in your notes.
1: So I watched the uh actual event this week, if you want to call it that. It was really just a podcast. Uh, It kind of seemed like a lot of a nothing burger at first compared to all of the hype and rumor and everything around it. They really didn't confirm and, you know, say a whole lot. So all the game titles are still just speculation. You know, I get it. These studios have their own launch plans. And technically, you know, I've heard other people put it this way. These are games that are going to be coming out on a different platform. So it's really not xbox's place to say what the games are and announce those things when it's really more between the studios and that new platform that it's going to be on if it's ps5 or switch or both Uh, but speculation is they said uh you know two community driven games and two smaller titles so looking at most likely hi-fi rush pentiment sea of thieves and grounded Uh, sea of thieves huge multiplayer grounded multiplayer don't really hear many people talking about that one uh, but hi-fi rush and pentiment are both really well received well-reviewed games uh, but just getting these in the hands of more players is going to do a lot of good for those online uh, live service titles and it's really going to just get great games in the hands of more players uh, by putting hi-fi rush and pentiment out there so you know phil spencer and the other higher ups here bring up a lot of good points of you know the future of exclusivity and the power of exclusivity and you know it's just not really what the age that we're in now is all about and it's certainly not where things are going so they're really trying to be very forward thinking here and you know we've touched on this and i'm sure you've probably heard other people talk about this but like microsoft is such a big publisher now that just to get those games out there onto other platforms is going to really secure the mistake in the future to continue to be a really big publisher whereas if they try to hold all that stuff in just to themselves it's not really going to drive people to the xbox it's not really going to push them to where they want to be and uh, you know it's not going to get them in the good graces or get them you know, out there in front of other players and more players in the future, the way that they can really position by taking this approach.
0: Yeah, and the point you made regarding um, exclusivity and and the direction that they see it going, he actually says on a podcast, uh, I do have a fundamental belief that over the next five or 10 years, exclusive games, games that are exclusive to one piece of hardware are going to be a smaller and smaller part of the games industry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can... I think this is more of Microsoft trying to do a forcing function in the games industry of saying, you know, we're this a massive publisher. We're going to be sharing all of our content across various platforms. Hey, Sony, we know that you're not, you know, you're that God of war isn't selling as high as it was, you know, six months ago or a year ago. Why don't you bring it over to Xbox, right? You're already doing it on PC, bring it over to Xbox, you know, <laughs> like just get more hands on it. Um, but I can, you know, another point that you made here too, and it's. It's really like the the Xbox fans in general, and the negativity that they're kind of stating is that with Microsofts going more multi platform with these titles, it actually is probably going to have more of a detrimental effect on the hardware, and that people are going to start steering away from buying an Xbox because why? Why buy an Xbox when let's just say PlayStation or Nintendo continues to do exclusives, and Xbox is multi platform because they're invested so heavily in all of these different you know developers and, and IPs. And trying to justify the cost, plus with a low console adoption rate as is, um, I think it actually does steer people away from buying an Xbox. I don't think it pushes them towards that brand. I think it pushes them towards things like Game Pass, which is fine. Um, but one of the reasons that they are having to even do this to begin with, and it's been cited, is that Game Pass subscriptions have slowed down. So they have to do something to boost more gaming revenue, and this is it. So I. I think in general, this isn't a play that Xbox or Microsoft like really wanted to take and moving those games to be multi-platform, but they've kind of been forced to do it and are hoping that by forcing that well, into the industry, others will kind of follow suit. And I just don't see that happening.
1: I don't think they're trying to trendset here with this. I think this is really just more of an experiment to see. And that's kind of how they're laying it out here. You know, they're choosing these four games specifically so that they can get some research and see what it does. I mean, if they put it out there and with the huge amount of adoption of switch users and ps5 users in comparison i mean if they really get some good numbers from these titles then they'll start looking at okay what if we do move starfield over or what if we do put indiana jones on these other consoles too like can we really boost our revenue that way so i think it's really more so of a testing bed for them i don't think i don't think that there's any chance that nintendo is going to start moving their games over anywhere. Sony's already starting to dabble. You know, they've got a little bit of action on the PC and that's getting quicker and quicker.
0: Well, they just had a day one release of hell divers too.
1: Yeah, exactly. So and that's
0: actually doing really well.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great test case for them in that department to do their own day and day launch on PC. So if Microsoft is going to look at maybe just timed exclusivity in the future, you know, hey, you can play it first, you can play it best on Xbox, second best on iCloud, third best, you can wait a year and get like the game of the year edition on Switch or PlayStation. So it's like they'll really have like, you know, two or three shots at the Apple before you're even looking at buying it on another platform. And then they did talk about consoles a bit in here you know saying that it is still really important to them we already know that they've got a mid-gen refresh lined up uh not exactly the sure of the details on that but you know they did leak all that stuff during the court cases when they were trying to purchase activision blizzard and things got kind of released (laughs) outside so we saw that adorably all digital future with that mid-gen refresh so we'll see when that comes Uh, But they are saying or did say that the next generation, they are expecting to provide the largest leap in console generations. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty bold statement going from, you know, the Super Nintendo to the N64. Like, I would say that's probably the biggest leap. But, you know, moving forward from there, where we're at now, I mean, I guess like 8K gaming or something but that's just gonna be so expensive and like nobody has tvs for that you know there's no other media being produced in that that you would be getting and i guess this is kind of another thing too like with the future of like streaming and stuff this is all gonna be you know bananas on your your data and your bandwidth and stuff and going back to not being able to buy physical media, you're not yeah. going to be able to get like hard copies of any
0: of Yeah, that. your your internet's going to go up in price. Your TV is going to go up in price. Your game console, the fact that you're spending money on a monthly basis to even stream these games. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. So, uh, you know, it might get to a point where I'm just like, yep, PC. <laughs> like, that's mm-hmm. it. I'll buy my games on PC. Um, and it sucks because I don't want to go like completely digital. But, you know, we we talked about a while back, right? Like if all games went digital and that was the only choice you had, I would probably honestly start diving more into my backlog of games and physical media and playing that more so than jumping on the PC. And I mean, that's kind of what I do anyways. The only reason I play yeah. battle World is because I'm, you know, I want to play battle World and I'd it's like just to go to it for a while. Stuff. Yeah. So... Well, uh, you know, continuing to talk on Xbox, uh, a portable Xbox could be coming, and here's how Microsoft could set it apart from other handheld gaming PCs. Uh, so this is Tom'sGuide.com. I actually use Tom's Guide for a lot of things uh, when I'm doing PC uh, research, and it is uh, Anthony Spadafora is the writer here. Um, so I'll just kind of kick this off really quick with. If you kind of look at the landscape today for handheld gaming, it amazes me. We went like 15 years, I would say like 2007 to like 2020, 2022 without like a true competitive handheld market. Like you had the 3DS and you kind of had, you know, you could say to PlayStation, Portable and Vita, but not really. Like it was truly just dominated by Nintendo. Yeah. Now we've got like Asus and Logitech and uh, you've got Steam. um, you know, or Valve, I guess you would say, not Steam Valve running Steam. Uh, you've got potentially Microsoft, you've got Switch with the handheld, you've there's got Sony, it's
1: just announced the ROG Ally.
0: Yeah, there's just so many different options now, and they're all expensive, by the way. Like, I looked at the Asus one and the uh, the Logitech one, and they're like close to $700. Now, it's a lot more affordable, I think, than like you know, the Steam Deck. Um, the Steam
1: Decks, the one of the more affordable i think that one's only like 5.99 or something oh
0: okay maybe that one is but the cool thing is that the steam deck runs off of linux whereas the others run off of windows and uh, i know you did a little more research here on vat in particular so if you want to dive into that
1: piece well so um they're talking here about how that's gonna be something that could be a huge advantage or is a huge advantage for the steam deck because it runs on linux and is more open i don't know it works it all works together better uh but on the windows side windows 11 isn't really optimized for this so when you're trying to do all your windows stuff and then you're trying to do all this stuff on top of it i mean this is where i get lost with a lot of computer gaming because it's just too many launch the game fiddle with settings go to forums figure out why this is not doing this and it's because it's all too individualized but microsoft being the people who make windows really have an opportunity here to build the most ideal handheld platform to run off of windows and really their best suggestion here is somehow dual booting off of that you know having a windows partition and then a partition for like the xbox firmware itself um and i think that that makes sense i i guess i don't know exactly why you really need both like i would feel like they would probably just optimize some version of xbox and keep it more walled rather than make it such an open source kind of third party thing where it's like oh here's like all the windows stuff too you know i guess you just for competition and being able to have it more open you could do that but i guess my biggest takeaway is yeah if if microsoft wants to try to build a handheld gaming device i mean they really have the best opportunity to make the best one of anybody because they've got all of the the funding and and everything that they've gone into building up this program and if they're questioning having another full device for the next generation or trying to do a dual like they did this generation it would make a lot more sense to have a portable version and then a home console rather than try to do a hybrid like the switch or do a top tier and then a lower tier like they've got with the series x and s so I think that would be a really, you know, smart move for Xbox. And we talked just last week about Sony, maybe trying to get back into, you know, portable as well. You know, if they can't beat them at home, maybe they can beat them on the go.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, this all stem, by the way, from the podcast as well. Uh, that we just talked about in prior articles. So while they were discussing, you know, mid-gen refreshes, there is an Xbox uh, code named Brooklyn right now. And so the idea here is that there might be a handheld and it could be like the Xbox Series P, which would be, you know, for portable. So mm-hmm. your X is extreme, your S is standard, and then your P is portable. And really kind of, and there's, this is where I think there's a great opportunity for them from a branding standpoint to have the Xbox family, right? So you've got all of these different options. Oh, you want just standard? You want extreme gaming. You want portable gaming. We have all of these options and solutions for you as a gamer to, you know, kind of wet your appetite. However, I do think it's a little late. You know, we're already midway through this current generation. Uh, they're already talking next gen, like we're doing refreshes and then moving forward to next gen, in probably four years, right? Three, mm-hmm. four years. So we're at a point where I don't know, but introducing during a midlife period A portable console is the right approach. I more so see it as a, um, you know, if it's Xbox portable, maybe it's this idea that it's not tied to like the series, the Xbox series, but it's tied as a, just an Xbox, right? So like every few years it's getting updated with next gen software or hardware. I mean, for a handheld gaming device, like I can see something like that, but like tying it in, I don't know if it makes sense right now. It might make sense down the road, though. You know, during after their refresh. I don't know. It just seems it seems X-Men. like an odd period of time. Same with Sony, like it seems like a very odd period of time to create a handheld. However, I guess if well, they're trying to make it coincide with the switch number two, but whatever it's going to be called. And if that's a handheld console in some respect, like another hybrid, then it, I guess it could make a little sense to have like if you're trying to compete with Nintendo, you kind of have to have that option on the table as well for people so i don't know a lot of it i think is going to be answered here in the next year or so
1: yeah i mean i think that if microsoft and sony are talking about doing a handheld we're probably like two or three years away you know through r d and stuff before we would really see anything about that so i think that you know oh, maybe that not could be something that they could really stick it to nintendo even like if nintendo's doing you know, another full handheld for their next generation. Like, why wouldn't they? The Switch worked out super well. Uh, if you as Microsoft and Sony release an updated, more advanced, better handheld three years into the Switch 2's life cycle. I mean, that could take a lot of steam out of the second half of that Nintendo console's life cycle and give it to you. Or it could fall flat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, because of the adoption rate and people not wanting. So that's where I do think it might make a little sense to have it released prior because it kind of takes the window of Nintendo sales.
1: Like, well, you'd almost can't. have to They're release it. Make it in the next six months before Nintendo launches their console. Well, Nintendo's not launching anything in six months. No, but we're going to see it. We're going to see it, we're but it might not it be for next month, and it's going to come out by Christmas.
0: Hmm? We'll see. We'll see. It could be a 2025 release. Uh, Whoa, it depends on how to see. We
1: were just saying this week that it looks like it's probably gonna wind up being Q1 2025, I think somebody was talking.
0: Yeah, I, I can see them releasing in like March of 2025. Like I it depends on how switch sales are going. If switch sales are still going well, you don't that's what Nintendo's kind of stated, right? Like they don't need to be pressured into releasing a console just to release it. If it's still selling well and it's obviously selling at a higher, you know, higher margin. Yeah, uh like they're making more true. money right now than they were before. So like if it's still selling millions of consoles, like why would you move to the next thing? Like I totally get it. There's no need to dive into your next generation if you're still selling Yeah,
1: more. but you're not rushing seven years in. No. But yeah, it looks like everybody was just reporting yesterday. It looks like there's a delay until early twenty twenty five yeah and who knows maybe that depending where sales are then maybe it delays
0: even further you know i i say play it by ear at this point but that said you know you had mentioned oh well microsoft and sony may not have anything right now i would say r d has probably been ongoing since the steam deck was released they've probably been working on stuff like this for quite a while from a handheld perspective so to coincide with the switch release so if the new nintendo console comes out in march of q1 maybe Sony and Microsoft are saying holiday season 2025 mm-hmm. I mean that's a year and a half away that's you can enough say time. that
1: all you want this John's opinions do not reflect that of the game deflators it's like do I'm on the game deflators <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we'll we'll see what happens but I I can see Nintendo or Xbox and Sony like trying to take that wind out of sales by a holiday season sale in 2025 for a handheld console all right I could see it happening. I'm not saying it's going to, but I could see it happening if they Mm want to really compete truly with Nintendo. You just dude, The thing is, you can't try and release a handheld console two to three years into an adoption period of Nintendo and expect that it's not going to, you know, fall flat on its face. Yeah. You got to look at things like DS track record and then it going into the 3DS and then the 3DS Excel and all of that. Nintendo already had the handheld market before Sony was like, let's throw in the Vita so it can epically fail in this market too much adoption. Nobody's going to buy another handheld just because they want to buy a
1: Sony handheld. No, you know? but I feel like Xbox compared to Sony probably has a lot more ability and drive to create more of a competitive environment on a handheld just because Sony is so focused on like the PlayStation five, like they can't even fully support their own VR. Like they've never given any of their side things that they've tried to do outside of their main console, really enough support to get them over the hump into being like massive, massively adopted thing.
0: Well, I've got one word for you to talk about how Microsoft has been competitive in the past with certain products when there's been a high adoption rate already, and that is the Zune. If you remember that little device, I had this. Oh, yeah, you probably had to zoom, but not a whole lot of people did. And that ended up being a catastrophe by the end of the end of its life cycle. Nobody bought it like you bought it, but not many people did.
1: Well, yeah, but so that's but you have to consider. No, but that's totally different. What I'm talking about here is that Microsoft is so driven by like putting out games and titles of all different kind of like levels that they would be able to service probably better through game pass on like a handheld device whereas like okay is sony going to like
0: Man, well PlayStation i guess
1: Plus. strong enough now i'm i yeah. still thinking in the past i'm thinking of when like sony needed to make like here's the psp version of the game and here's the actual version of the game and they're yeah
0: they're they're back. set they they've got it now like all they can do it better because of the power yeah so they've, i don't know They've got a subscription service just like Microsoft. I I think it's going to come down to adoption and a consumer's willingness to spend hundreds of dollars on another handheld console when they've already got one for Nintendo and potentially have a a home console of like Sony or Xbox.
1: Yeah. I guess how many portable consoles
0: do you need? Yeah. There's so many already. And if Mike, like it's not like, and here's the other thing. It's not like you can't get game pass on one of his other consoles, right? No. Yeah. That's
1: the thing. It's like, Microsoft can make the best version of the handheld, but you can still buy all their games on every handheld. So they don't need to. They don't need to put it out there.
0: Yeah, like that's that's a weird thing, too. It's like you can make that piece of hardware. But is it necessary? And Are people going to buy it? And that goes back to my point on like, you know, the. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Apple devices yeah. back then right? Like you just, you didn't need to buy a Zune because Apple already had the market. And on top of that, there were already secondary companies making MP3 players. They weren't as good, but like Sony had one. You had one from, I think, RCA back then. Like tons of companies had small MP3 players that could store however much music. You didn't need the Zune back then. And just like today, you're not going to need a Microsoft handheld device because there's already so many options in the market. A PlayStation one might survive because Yeah, but Microsoft on games. probably sell you one for... They probably sell $700. That's true. They could do from an affordability aspect.
1: They could definitely hammer home on that. So something to keep an an eye on. Is it better than anybody else could because they make windows like they could just say, you know what? We're going to make a new version of windows
0: just for our. It's just
1: going to work on ours. And if you want to deal with all the windows 11 stuff on all the other ones, go ahead. That actually would be every one of those consoles. um, they have to get like the ability to put windows on there. So they're paying Microsoft for every one of those consoles that the competitors make anyways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's something to pay attention to. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, last thing here, uh, before we dive into inflation, deflation is the power world dev has said, uh, that talk of player drop off is lazy and it's fine to take breaks from games. And this is uh rich Stanton at PC gamer. So I agree. I mean, it's people, Pal World was not expected to be the phenomenon that it is today, right? But it's not even fully released. I guess. Yeah, technically it's a not still. So like the game has sold millions of copies. You had concurrent players in, I think, the two million range for a while. And now it's dropped. I don't know the exact percentage right now. Yeah. And this article is a few days old. So it's probably dropped since then, too. Point being, though, they're still in like the top five for like concurrent gamers on the game. So that in itself is amazing of his title a title that people were thinking oh it's gonna have like fifty thousand players at one time no like it's blowing that out the water so like any sort of dip makes sense it's the same with pokemon like if somebody picks up a pokemon game and they say oh well i'm gonna go ahead and play pokemon once they beat you know all of the gym leaders and capture whatever they want they put it down and they stop yeah there's it's a the small same manner here are people who just
1: grind out pokemon yeah. after
0: you beat it but this has so much more with you know, the base building and the survival aspects and the capturing and the killing of enemies. Plus, you've got your boss battles. You've got this giant world to explore the open world atmosphere. They're going to be putting in more updates. They're going to be putting in more content down the road. It's only a matter of time. So they plan on supporting this long term. And the idea here is that while, yes, player players have dropped, they're hoping that as new content releases, more players will come back to play the game. That's really all it comes down to. And it's like that with any online game you're going to have a massive peak when it first comes out and then it's going to drop down and settle out to where it's going to be for a while. And, you know, the hope here for them is that they can go many years with a nice concurrent player base of, you know, a set, let's just say a hundred thousand players ongoing for however long and that's what they support.
1: Yeah. And this is all coming from, um, uh, Bucky. He is pocket pairs, community manager, Uh, but also listed as a designer and uh, did some localization. But it's good to see somebody, you know, at a game company admitting that and not just being like, oh, yeah, we want to maximize engagement and keep everybody just playing our game like they understand. Hey, we have a game. It's still not even like fully released. It's got a bunch of stuff you can do in it. And we love everybody who's playing. We love everybody who bought the game and has played. And we hope as many people, you know, come back or more in the future. Like that is a good attitude to have. And it's respectful of the players and their time. You know, this isn't like some crazy live service game where you're going to be spending all this money and all of your time. This is just like a fun game to play. And I, I really appreciate that. I thought this was a good article to check out just kind of for that sentiment. And also just, you know, it's good to reinforce just leaving games. Like, you know, you don't have to finish a game. You know, nobody needs to give you a hard time about not finishing games. It's perfectly acceptable to just play a game for a while and then leave it alone. You know, whether it's for some yearly challenge or not, (laughs)
0: leave it to you. To twist this whole article, this man was saying that people will come back to Power Worlds. You're saying just leave it entirely. I will in the past. play
1: Persona 4 again one day, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, Ryan will be like 80 years old and having some I, kid I come it. Yeah, he's going to use his Social Security income, if if that even exists anymore, to pay some kid to come play Persona for him in front of his <laughs> TV as he watches. and says, I beat it, John. I yeah. beat it. I, I beat it. Let's play live. That counts. <laughs> I will say you did beat Pokemon. They did. did go back and beat Pokemon, so it's you could surprise us for sure. But we will still shun you for not beating games. That's just how it goes here. Well, You know what else surprised me? And I also didn't beat Tailspin for the NES. So Tailspin was developed by Capcom. It was published by Capcom. It was produced by Stephen L. Butler, and it was released in December of 1991. It is a scrolling shooter. Uh, Ryan says that there's not a lot of reviews out there, but it's generally pretty difficult. And that is actually true. Yep. Uh, so um you can dive into synopsis real synopsis,
1: quick. Synopsis. So uh John, I don't know how familiar you are with Tailspin. Are you at all? Isn't it tied to uh uh DuckTales? No.
0: I thought isn't the guy that like Tailspin, isn't he the one that like Jungle Book? Oh oh is this blue from Jungle Book? That's yeah. I thought it was familiar. No, I didn't really dive you into thought it. That I just was own it. Launchpad McQuack? Oh, that's the that's right. Yeah, uh, dude, I'm so bad with these things. I didn't even watch DuckTales as a kid, so it's like that bad.
1: Yeah. Tailspin was a very odd show. Jungle Book was like my favorite Disney movie as a kid. Where the hell did Baloo get a plane from? Yeah, so this takes all of the animals from the Jungle Book and turns them into like um like mid-century sky pirates and delivery people. And they're all like anthropomorphized people that wear clothes and fly planes. And it's a pretty wild show. Um, I had a lot of good memories of it and I'd never heard of this game, but you fly around as Baloo in his sea duck. Uh, You shoot down planes and anything else in your way, collecting cargo and money along your path, defeating bosses at the end of each level, upgrading your ship as you go. This bear
0: went from singing about the bear necessities and protecting a man boy to taking the planes of man.
1: Yep. Yep. When they decide you gave them fire and now look what they've done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's his name? Shere Is that Shurkan. the name of the He's Khan? Like a yeah. businessman. Yeah. In <laughs> this show. And he's like very sketchy. He's not like the actual bad guy, but he's like very bad guy adjacent and shifty. Uh, I don't know. He's um. it's a, it's a cool. It's a cool little piece of history. Go back and watch it if you like. I,
0: I kind of have to now. Is it on Disney Plus? by chance? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. I might have to actually watch this. I didn't know this thing. Ex- I thought Tailspin was just a game. I didn't realize that this whole time. Well, uh, I learned something new and so did our listeners um, that learned something new about me not keeping up with the trends, I guess. Um, all right. So I liked it, dude. I thought it was a blast. Play this it's game hard for me. Tell. Yeah, it's hard. But like. It depends on how, what you find difficult. So it takes some, it's like any Nintendo game, man. It's Nintendo hard at that point. Um, like Ryan said, you go around shooting, uh, various planes, uh, collecting. It looked like it looked like gas containers, but it turns out those were like cargo loads and Mm -hmm. then dollar sign bags, which is your money. And then you can actually shoot like random areas to collect additional dollar Mm -hmm. bags. Um, And then, of course, there are fruits and things that you can collect along the way to gather points. And your um, plane is able to shoot uh, like at the start, at least like once every like second and a half, you can shoot, you know, with your plane to to knock down planes in
1: all eight directions.
0: Yeah, you can shoot in multiple directions
1: heading that direction that you start
0: flying. Well, and the cool thing about this game is that you have the ability to like flip the plane and go upside down and it literally starts side scrolling. So instead of going your standard left to right, it actually allows you to go back. Now, the caveat to that, though, is enemies respawn when you do that. So you actually can make it more difficult on yourself pending the situation. Um, So I got as far as like midway through the second level, I'll say uh, with this. I was able to beat the submarine in the first level. I can't imagine Uh, how. It's actually not that hard when you think about it. So did you get to the submarine? Oh, a bunch of times. And I yeah. was never
1: able to kill it. Most of the so, time I got to the submarine, I was lucky if I got there with two it's, hearts. It's patterned. It's, uh, it's all patterned.
0: So you stay low. You shoot like three, four times right away. Like You just keep shooting as much as you can. It shoots those like the several like cannonballs out. But if you notice, there's a huge gap between yeah. the one that's lower and then the others like spraying across the top. You just go up. And then you continue shooting you drop back down really quick continue shooting it raises up all those missiles and you literally just do the same thing you go up the missiles go under you you continue shooting and then you make your way across because it gets closer to you and then the same rinse and repeat process shoot a few times you dodge the one cannonball you shoot some more you dodge all the other missiles shoot some more and then it blows up it's like really quick enough i guess yeah um now there is some timing that's necessary in this game so Uh, You do have, in this case, There was like this submarine helicopter thing that would come up and they were just like ridiculous. Uh, They would just chase you and run into you like it was hard. Uh, So you had to time it perfectly to shoot them down. Like as you're staying, it's popped in front of you. You were. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If a box popped in front of you, you're screwed. And it happened to me like (laughs) legit. The game was just trying to be dumb. Uh, I had a box pop in front of me like six times on that scene. I'm like, you've got to be. The
1: problem me. is if you shoot the box, you're ne- your next shot is not going to be reloaded in time to be able to kill the thing before it rams into you and exactly. you only get like three hits. Mm hmm.
0: Now, the importance of like this game, too, is collect as much of the money as you can, as much of the loads as you can, um, as much as the fruit and all of that stuff, because at the end of the level, you have the ability to upgrade your plane through like faster shooting or a better engine, little things of that nature. Um, but they're expensive. They're like three hundred thousand uh, dollars. The extra plane was like a hundred thousand, and then there was like a continue state, like an extra continue. I think was like two hundred thousand. Oh so God. you kind of have to be wise of how you use that money uh, and how you how you grab it. Um, but the second level was at a baseball stadium, which was annoying as shit. Like it was so bad. So you have a guy that's like launching baseballs at you from a machine. You have to knock him out, and then there's like a plane that launches tiny homing planes or hell yeah, tiny homing planes to hit you and so you're trying to hit those at the same time as the baseball guy flinging baseballs oh, your way man. and you're trying to knock out the big plane that's releasing the homing planes the whole time so like that was just ridiculous so I got through I don't know how much and I was like all right I'm out of continues I'm done <laughs> like finished no. up uh, but all of that said I thought it was a lot of fun going through that that's a game that I could see like honestly grinding out and getting better at to progress through. It's there's only like, like a
1: 25 minute game or something.
0: It's like, yeah, I can see that. It's like eight stages in total. So it's more so it goes back to the timing aspect. It goes back to be impatient with a game like this. Is it possible to hit those homing planes and get them knocked out right away? Absolutely. But you got to know like where on the screen do I need to be so that when that comes into existence, I can knock it out right away with a couple shots And and that's really how you have to look at games like this is it's all about patterns. It's all about understanding the level and the next step and what's going to come on screen. And the same with the boss battles, there's nothing like with a lot of these older games. There's not a whole lot of like crazy randomization into what's happening. It's all very much the same. You just have to understand what you're playing and and how you need to progress in beating those bosses and enemies. And it's really a matter of like sitting back and taking the time to grind it out. There's an execution. Yeah, there's a reason that people can grind through like 10 NES games in a week and have no issue because they're short, they're quick. And, uh, you know, it just takes patience and persistence to beat them. So and once you start getting like the hang of that with NES games, it usually can translate to other games that you play on the console. You're only I think so
1: many things with you.
0: Yeah, I I personally don't play a whole lot of NES. Um, I'll play more Super Nintendo, if anything, uh, when it comes to older consoles. And I just don't get used to the like the timing elements and all of that for NES. So that's typically why when I go in this, I'm like, yeah, it's super difficult because mm-hmm. I'm not always playing NES games. I'm like, I'm playing, you know, Power World and uh, Tales of Symphonia right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in this like side scrolling mode of like trying to time enemies on screen. And it, you know, if I was and I'd probably be pretty good at it. But I, I just have not been playing those games
1: for a long time. So. Yeah, never really been my cup of tea. It was fun, it was a good-looking game. Uh there was a lot to enjoy there. Um breaking it br- down, <laughs> breaking it brown, breaking, breaking it, brown. it down to Brad. <laughs> uh complete in box copy will run you 80 bucks. Uh that peaked at 134.99 back in December of 2022. That is currently trending down. Uh loose price will run you 16.90. That peaked at 24.97 back in February of 22. And that is trending down now as well. I would say, you know, NES game, maybe, maybe something that's not like super common. Like, I don't know how. Do you think there's like just a ton of these games floating around? I don't think so. I don't think.
0: I don't know. A Tailspin's like a super popular game back then. It's a licensed title, and you're saying like it's a good licensed title. It's unique. It's not bad. It's actually good. Um, what do you think about
1: fifteen dollars?
0: I mean, like, here's the deal, man. It went as high as twenty-five bucks in February of twenty twenty two. It's obviously a few years removed, but like if you had a nice pristine copy float your way at twenty bucks, it'd be worth it mm. at twenty bucks to get a nice pristine copy. If you found a dirty old loose copy that still ran, yeah, absolutely buy it for fifteen bucks. So I think, you know, sixteen ninety, I think, is is right. Um but just right? Well, I no, hold on. I would actually say it's deflated. I I think that I would be willing to buy this game for $20 if it came across my way. A nice copy. I'd buy it for 20 bucks. Okay. Yeah, I think that's still very affordable uh, for a game like this. And I think that it's uh, enough fun that you can get out of it, especially when you consider things like speed runs and you consider points and, um, you know, the playability like I played for maybe 45 minutes today. And if you start, it goes back to that movie conversation, right? If you go out to go see a movie and the dollar's tied to go have that little bit of enjoyment, if you could spend three hours of time playing this game, getting good at it and beating it, it's totally worth the $20 to do it.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, multiple stages, like trying to get upgrades, you know, the ability to turn the plane around is kind of unique. It's definitely different than a lot of NES games, I think. So I'll go... I'll go with you. I'll go deflate it. I'll say 20 bucks would be a fair price. Sounds good. All right. So I think next week is
0: we're going to be getting together. Most likely as as far as it stands right now, we're going to be getting together next week. Um. So we have two options, though. We could play the Silent Hill game or could play Foam Stars. Well, we'll Just figure saying. it out. There's a few options on the table. Maybe we play both and then we talk about one the following week. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, this has been episode 274 of Game Players Podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan, and thanks for listening.